Welcome back, everybody. This is Beach Root, uh, the podcast brought to you by the University of Amsterdam. I am Marta, and this is Lottie. Hello. We are your wonderful hosts. And today we are joined by Margot. Yes. Hello, Margot. Hello. Margot <laughs> is a theater maker and improviser from the Netherlands, but also from many other parts of the world, like Britain and Canada and America. Mm. And... Uh, today you've brought with you The Sick Rose um, from Songs of Experience by William Blake, mm. published in 1794. Indeed. Indeed. So <laughs> tell us a little bit about this poem. Why did you choose it? Um, well, I chose this poem because uh, when you proposed to come onto the podcast and you told me what it's all about, I immediately thought, oh, there's really only one poem that I know by heart mm. that I uh, that I wasn't told to learn by heart that I just read and then and kind of taught to myself it's also very short so it's easy yeah. <laughs> but um, it just really struck me at the time and that was actually when I was in high school so I also found that quite interesting like you know I was a teenager I wasn't particularly dedicated to that many things but there was something about that specific poem mm. that just like It literally went straight into my heart. And I memorized it, and I haven't forgotten it since. Um, and so I was like, yeah, this is just the obvious choice for me. So nice it stayed with you this many years. Yeah, well. yeah. Um, would you like to read it for us, Margot? Yeah. Go I'll ahead. Perform it if you yeah. Or, yeah, let's... I can see you don't have a poem in front of you. Right? Yeah, <laughs> let's see if I, if I get it. I might get, like, one word off. Let's see. You can proofread for me. So I think it's... Um, O oh rose, thou art sick, the invisible worm that flies in the night in the howling storm has found out thy bed of crimson joy and with his dark secret love does thy life destroy. Full marks, nearly. Yeah. Nine nearly. Out of ten. Nine out of ten. And his dark secret love. And his dark secret. Oh. Very good. <laughs> That was very nice. Eyes closed. Yeah. The concentration was. Oh yes, the listeners at home could not see what was happening here, but I went into a full meditative trance. <laughs> yeah. How does, does it, it feel for you to read it? Um, it feels like. Yeah, it feels like. Um, <laughs> that's really hard to describe. It feels like it touches like a really core part of me somehow. Like like somehow the words are going through layers of me, yeah, and really like touching something very very elemental. Mm. Um, and uh, I mean, we can talk about what the poem is about, yeah. but I think there's something about the way it's written. Uh, in all of its simplicity mm -hmm. and and yet also somehow slight irregularity like it's not yeah it's it's like it's a bit flying also like uh, as are what it's speaking about you know mm -hmm. so it's kind of cutting and flying and um and it's like for me it, it works like um uh, like an arrow or something yeah Yeah. The, yeah. A target coming at you. Yeah, yeah. 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 It really, it really hits. Well, perhaps we can start with the image of the sick rose. What mm. do you, what do you interpret that as? Mm. Mm. Well, 
I think I have two interpretations. So one is um, that I see it as, as, maybe I see it as a woman, but also just as a human, mm -hmm. but somebody who is uh, vulnerable. Not in the sense of like they're particularly vulnerable compared to other people, but more as like a, um, somebody who has not yet been hurt, really. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, the worm, and then this worm can be many things. It can be the action of another, or it could be disease, or it could be language, but something comes in like a virus mm. and because of the vulnerability like the softness of the petals let's say metaphorically speaking mm. they are not adept to uh to getting rid of this virus mm. so yeah on the one hand i see i see it as a kind of pure vulnerable state that's being invaded like in a human being Uh, and for me somehow a woman because this is what I think of when I think of a rose mm -hmm. um, which of course is also another potential reading interestingly though it's written by a man yeah. <laughs> and then the other thing that makes me think about on another level is just yeah society as a whole basically mm. um, yeah definitely relevant now this, a sick rose because it, it, for me the duplicity of its meaning really makes me very curious as to what caused this rose to be sick, something so beautiful. And a poet whom I love, Kate Tempest, people always ask her, why does she write? Um, in spite of all the things she writes about capitalism and, and the failing of society, and she's like, because life is beautiful, mm. undoubtedly so, so therefore I must write about it. Mm. And that this made me think of the title The Sick Rose mm. as mm. something that's that started off so beautiful that is slowly decaying. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, the exclamation at the beginning, oh, Rose, thou art sick, mm. it's so powerful that uh, it's like this diagnosis you know mm. Mm -hmm. yeah and especially because he's talking directly to the rose I think I mm. it's interesting what you say also about society because I didn't really go there directly because he's addressing you nearly in a certain sense also um, yeah with the oh rose thou art sick and mm. I really Maybe that's also what you talk about when you talk about that arrow that comes directly to your heart. I really felt that as well in that first line as though I was being pointed mm. by a finger and mm. on my chest and it was telling me you're, you're sick. You, mm. There's something... Yeah, there's something very definitive about it. Yeah. And... Yeah, uh, yeah. and... Um, And also the, 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 the way those words sound and feel like, oh, Rose, there's something very like soft and warm there. Mm. And then thou art sick is, is yeah. also punctuated. Yeah. And sick is, sick is a really intense mm. word in a way, no? Yeah. Like you can really feel the word sick going into the Rose. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I feel the same way. Like I feel, I feel spoken to by this. Mm. Like... Um, 
Yeah, which is also kind of it's it's almost a bit offensive as well, no? Like yeah. you're like it's almost it's like an accusation or a diagnosis yeah. Yeah. or a, like an analysis of a person or or a physical rose. Yeah. Mm. But I like what you said about the poem feeling definitive mm. because I feel like a lot of time when I read poetry I'm trying to get a a certain answer or Mm. for it to give me a meaning to something mm. and especially because there's all of this beautiful imagery I, I, and the way it's written it's so beautiful I expected it to tell me something mm. but it, it doesn't really give me what I want there's something a full stop at the end and there's nothing you're sick and life will be destroyed and I found it a really difficult poem mm. on that aspect it's funny how re resolutions in particular manifest within poems or literature, even punctuation, like a full stop, that's the end. Mm -hmm. That's it. That's how we close it. Mm -hmm. And how we come to negotiate um, closings and, and, and finals in poems is something that's quite reflective of our, our own thoughts as, as a person or our own um, conscious um, approach to, to what we expect is to be the end. You know, mm. it could, you could say that perhaps different people's um, interpretations of the end makes makes a poem come to life, you know? Mm. Like, do you feel as if he's come to an end in this poem? Or mm. perhaps could you imagine William Blake going on and writing more from these two stanzas? No, absolutely not. Yeah? Absolutely not. Mm. Yeah, there is... It's even good that I'm using the word absolute. absolute. <laughs> yeah. No, because this is this is for me so much the thing about the poem is that it's the last word is destroy and it's just like it's mm. done, you know, like like it was killed, she was killed, she, like something was invaded and and damaged and it cannot heal, it cannot mm. repair. Like there is only death now, you know, mm. and um, and maybe I mean. Yeah, I, I mean, maybe that's why as a teenager <laughs> reading that, I was like, oh, my goodness, I did, had no idea that poetry could could be this. Mm. But I what I f I know about myself that the kind of, let's say, art that I've always been interested in is the kind that can break through layers or that can really go to to an essence of something. Mm. Um, I know that. Um, for me, when I'm improvising, it's always very much about this, like, okay, what am I catching and what am I simultaneously, you know, killing or shedding yeah. in order to come to some kind of conclusion that matters, right? Mm -hmm. So, and then this is what the poem does for me as well. Like, it it kills in order to matter. Yeah. It kills in order to, yeah, so it, it shows also... There's something very beautiful in this death because it's so absolutely direct. Yeah. It sits really on this edge for me of like it's it's horrible and it's also Yeah, it's non-negotiable. Yeah. yeah. And it's funny that uh you say you came to it as a teenager and also your interpretation of it was someone who is yet to be hurt. Mm. And when you're a teenager, for not for all of us, sadly, but for many of us, that's what we're anticipating. Like you see a lot of teen cliche movies, like I want to experience something, I want to feel emotions. And perhaps that's why you latched onto this poem in some sense, because it gives, it certainly gives me a taste of some incredible hurt and, and finality mm. that 
I'm not even imagining yet. Mm. Yeah, there was definitely like, uh, <laughs> it definitely spoke to my teenage angst, but it also spoke to my very early perception that there's a lot of superfluous bullshit in the world. Yeah. Like this, this was really a poem that made me realize, oh yeah, art can speak to that, you know, mm. like art has the potential to cut through all of that. Um, and I think until that time I was just like, oh, poetry is a very kind of wishy-washy form that just creates a bunch of like... Yeah, beats about the bush and yeah, doesn't, doesn't kill. Yeah, why would I yeah. want to read poetry when I can just read an essay or, or you know, like what, what, what exactly is the point? And then mm -hmm. this came along and really opened my eyes. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I think it's very interesting the, the relation that you brought up between destruction and creation, this idea of not creating by simply just building but also just by cutting through something and mm. getting to a little point in the middle of the chest mm. yeah mm. creating by killing because like i've seen you improvise a lot and and seen you on stage which is such a pleasure you should always look out <laughs> wherever you can for margot um <laughs> and yeah in an i you know you see I see you analyzing to see what you're going to take and what you're going to leave, mm. or not in an obvious way. Obviously, it's always still a pleasure to watch. But when you say that to me, it makes sense that you have to make some essential decision as to what is going to remain in this in this moment of improvisation. Yeah. So. Oh, I'm really glad that you say that you also see that in my work, because I think more and more I'm starting to understand that this is kind of at the core of at the core yeah, at the core absolutely. of everything and i think as an audience member you really get a lot from that as well because mm. it teaches you a form of perception that perhaps you're not aware of mm. that you know in the audience we're seeing different things to what you see on on stage and uh, it's funny a, a polish friend of mine was um telling me about a polish rock star who suffers from terrible stage fright and, and you know or just she's very nervous, very anxious, never has interviews. And, you know, that they ask her, how is it c that you can still go on stage? She's like, the lights are so bright that I don't see anything. It blinds me for a moment. Mm. So I, I can't see anything. So it's a perfect time for me to be vulnerable because I don't see anybody. Mm. But in your work, you're seeing people. Mm. And that's where you you take the tension and excitement. And I think Similarly with Blake, he's seeing something and taking such an essential part of it in two stanzas in eight mm. lines. Yeah, so. that's what, it, that's, yeah, I think that's what it is. And, and for me also the whole reason, because I'm constantly asking myself, why, why still theater? Why still performance? Mm. Why, why do you continue to do this? I mean, it's pretty clear for me that it's not, of course I like getting attention. I mean, I'm not going to lie, but it's not, that's not it. You know, I'm, I'm not like, oh yes, another spotlight, another spotlight. It's that I feel that we are also, we are so easily distracted all the time constantly there are so many different forms of input happening so it it um oh, i don't know the english word for troubled like it makes it makes our lived experience also a bit more of a surface level experience yeah. um so superficial superficial mm. exactly so there's also something about that kind of cutting that uh, in a concentrated space that is um uh, a kind of communion with with others that you rarely get to experience yeah. um, 
and I guess this for me this poem functions in the same way like he is communing with me in a way that yeah. uh, I'm not going to have when I go to like my great auntie's tea circle or whatever you know like mm. or not likely anyways <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if you have uh, a favorite line or a favorite image or something in the poem that really stands out to you. Um, I really like the invisible worm that flies in the night. Yeah. <laughs> It's such a wonderful yeah. image. I also read that. I was like, this is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I like it because... Um, I also for myself because I mean I can I can read that and get like a super cartoon image in my mind. Yeah, <laughs> this yeah. like this little invisible creature with a face who's like <laughs> um and then it all becomes quite funny in a way and at the same time I can really see it as um you know I can see it as bullets. Mm -hmm. Um I can see it as uh someone's body with like a virus pulsing through the yeah, veins the yeah mm. um also i can see it as sex mm -hmm. um yeah as a uh, as a penis or or, or, like or, or symbol yeah or or maybe a sperm or something like this mm. so it's just and then and then it opens up all kinds of questions about like what's what is penetrative and mm. what is potentially permeatable yeah mm -hmm. um And I find that really interesting. Yeah. yeah. I love in that line how he continues the br bringing us forward and pushing us back. You know, mm -hmm. the O Rose is so warm for us. Thou art sick. Mm. Oh, you know, horrible. Oh, okay. Mm. The invisible worm that flies in the night. It's almost as if you're flying in the howling storm. Suddenly the worm is caught in this in this horrible <laughs> storm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And now I'm thinking of a worm in a storm. <laughs> I don't think that... <laughs> That ends well. Yeah, but definitely, and I think you see that in, that was probably my favorite part, in his dark secret love. Mm. It's again this mm. uh, push and pull. And another yeah. thing I was thinking about is, in a certain sense, how um, open to interpretation this poem is. You, you just cited so many different things that this just this simple invisible mm. worm mm. could be. Mm. Um, and... I think that's also maybe in a certain sense why this poem is very effective, even <laughs> hundreds of years after it was written, is yeah. that everybody feels pointed and I think everybody thinks of something or of certain things in mm. particular when they read it and really it takes them to a place that's very personal just with this yeah. rose and this worm. Yeah, it's incredible, isn't it? I mean, this is written in 1794 yeah. <laughs> and it has an insanely visceral effect on the reader yeah. still. I find this incredible. Like a, a, magic. an emotional time capsule of sorts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. still astounded also. The shorter the poem that some of our guests bring on, like we had Stevie Smith, Not Waving mm -hmm. But Drowning, the deeper we get to go into it. And sometimes I feel like that's a greater effect mm. on the reader, that they really get to spend... You know, not everyone likes to read poetry, but if it's short, you kind of have... That's your doorway to, to kick down in a way and say, you know, it's, it will only take you a minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then the interpretation can last a lifetime, you know, mm. that you can dig so far into eight lines, two stanzas, 
and take so much away. Mm. And know? and especially I think in in our age yeah. where it's like there's no shortage of words, you know, there's no mm. shortage of input. So to read something which has been so specifically crafted also mm. in it just gives a lot actually. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Mm-hmm. And also maybe one last thing, but when you were reading it or performing it at the beginning with your eyes closed, I nearly thought of something um as though you were reciting a prayer or something. Oh, in wow. that shortness of it. And yeah, I think that's that was a really nice thing to watch. Mm, that's interesting. We don't have to say what's important in so many words, mm. like to really reduce something down and say what you mean. Mm. They've been trying since 1794, so <laughs> we'll continue to do so as best we can. Good luck to the rest yeah, of us. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, thank you so much, Margot, for bringing on this beautiful poem. Thank you. And for reading it, reciting it, performing it so mm. beautifully. Um, Praying it. <laughs> yeah, we'd like to ask you a question. Yes. A question about our communal poem, as Marta coined it. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, every episode we ask our guests to bring in one line to add to our communal poem. And Margot, what is your line for us? Uh, I just want to say that in keeping, I, I didn't even think about it, but now I'm starting to feel like my line is very much in keeping with uh, this poem somehow about cutting down to essence. So here we go. The line that I chose is, I take the scissors towards my brain and I cut out my imagination. It is a thing. Nice. <laughs> Destroy to create. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Crazy, no? Create. And I really was not thinking about the overlap at all, but there you go. Mm. Where did this line come from? This line actually um, came from one of these evenings where I do what we were just talking about. So I was listening actually to uh, two other poets perform their work, their written work. And then I was using it as input for um, creating a kind of half-scripted, half-freestyled poem myself. Uh, so one of the poets was talking about how the imagination is something that sometimes needs to be dislocated from the person's mind in order to get fresh insights. And then I started having this image of imagination as object. Mm. And, um, and I wrote this line. Yeah. Cutting out. When you said scissors, I, I, we did a Get to Know Us episode, and in one of the poems, there was an image of wedding pre- present scissors from the, remember the Ted Hughes daffodils? And it just, it's nice because all of these themes seem to travel through literature in some way mm. and um, hop into my imagination again. Mm. And yeah, I like it. The cutting out of the imagination, but you've definitely uh, added something to mine just then. So, yeah. Super nice. That's amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming on. And thank you to everyone listening for listening to our podcast. And uh, we'll see you. (laughs) Listening, listening, listening. listening. Um, And we'll see you soon. Yes, see you next week. Bye. Bye.